When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, man. How's it going, Nate? Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for uh, hanging out on TPQ20. Well, we'll jump right into things. We always like to start out by saying that... uh, you know, I know who you are, uh, but our audience may be new to you. Um, if you were to give an elevator pitch on who you are, uh, who are you? Damn. Uh, what's up? <laughs> uh, I am Nate Marshall. I teach and I write uh, mostly poems, and I'm from Chicago. That's like the most important stuff. Perfect. When it comes to the world of, uh, of poetry and kind of literature at large, uh, what are your, what do you consider your passions to be? Who are you, uh, you know, what are you excited about? What gets you going? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think for me, like my, the passion is about like good questions, right? Is just trying to like really um, take seriously, like how we, how we consider and reconsider the world, right? Like, so in so many ways, I think that's, kind of what poems are trying to do, not necessarily trying to produce answers, but trying to um, produce or just explore questions, right? Um, how we exist with each other, how we um, relate to each other. Um, you know, what is this world that we're in? What are other worlds that maybe we're not in, but we could be, um, et cetera, right? And so, yeah, for me, I think that's that's like the thing that I'm most kind of drawn to. And then then music, right? Like what, like, what's happening at the level of sound right. um, in a poem and in, in writing broadly, what's happening at the level of sound that is, that can draw someone in, right? Because, you know, on one level, like language, language is a lot of things, but like, it's an abstraction and it's just, it, it's, it is um, at least spoken language, right? It, it's a kind of noise. And so I'm interested in like, does that noise, how does that noise produce beauty even absent of me, right? Or produce something even absent of like me. So then as a, since since you've kind of live in both worlds of performance and page, right. uh, how, do, how do you find, um, how do you find that that translates when you're talking about that, you know, the, the space and the diction and kind of that percussiveness of sound, how do you think that that translates page to stage yeah that's a good question um you know i mean i i've always thought and i and i do think i, I this does still hold up I, i've thought about and and i'll sometimes talk about the poem on the page as a kind of sheet music mm. um which is to say that you know if if, if i ask you like what's your favorite beyonce song you don't like producing the sheet music of single ladies and be like, yeah, this this shit is a banger. 
<laughs> um, you know, you you play it, right? right. You put it on. Um, and, you know, that putting on doesn't have to be, at least to me, like, it doesn't have to be um, someone actually saying the poem out loud. It could just be another person experiencing the poem, right? But it's, okay. you know, in the same way that, like, where they say like your blood is it's blue and when it's in your veins or whatever right. and then when it hits the air like that changes it mm -hmm. i think that a poem is changed by being by the act of like meeting someone's experience right by meeting a reader or you know a listener or whatever someone by by being experienced right right and yeah i mean so for me like that's the thing right because you know there's a million ways to experience a thing right it might be looking at the poem and sort of reading it and saying, oh, this poem is using the space of the page in, in interesting ways or using punctuation in interesting ways. Right. It could be listening to it. Um, it could be some sort of visual presentation that almost approaches uh, like visual art. Like I think about a, you know, a poet like uh, Keith Wilson, mm. um, who really is kind of at this, um, this doing this sort of visual poetry that, that sits almost at a nexus um, where, yeah, where it's kind of fine art, it's visual art. Yeah. As well as the poem, right? And that's actually something that I've been seeing a lot more lately is that is the, uh, like, uh, it's almost going back to like old world concrete poetry. And yeah. you're seeing those, you're seeing new imagery, but it's done in different ways. It's not just images with words, it's images and words. Right. And it's really, it's, uh, it's nice to see, it's nice to see kind of that, uh, you know, the bending genres working like that again. Yeah, and it makes sense, like, given the sort of, I mean, just given, like, our internet culture, right? Like, yeah, of course, in the era of the meme, people would be producing poems um, that think about, that think in some of these ways. Right. So, passions outside of literature, uh, obviously music. Yeah. Um, but what, uh, who are you listening to right now? Who's, uh, who is your, play who's in your playlist at the moment? Damn, that's a good question. Um, man, damn, let me pull. I mean, the, the album that I've been thinking the most about recently has been, um, was uh, this uh, this album by this rapper out of the UK named, her name is Lil Sims. Mm. Um, she has this album called Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. So I really love that that's one. An awesome title. Yeah, that is, that's a really that's great, a great record. Title. Um, damn, what, what, what else have I been rocking with? Oh, I was thinking about yesterday, randomly, I was thinking about this dude, uh, this brother named King Fleming, who is oh. a, he's a jazz pianist, uh, jazz and blues pianist from Chicago, like was a session dude for, um, for Chess Records and their sort of jazz nice. imprint. Um, and he was- back. I was going back through a few Blue Note, like a few Blue Note releases over the yeah. last couple of years. Uh, and then uh, I was listening to like a Dustin Hodges album this morning that was just nice. amazing. Nice. But so the, the interesting thing about King Fleming is, or at least for me, is he was the musical director at the church I grew up in, uh, which, and I had no idea about like any of his kind of like, um, you know, like his resume or whatever until I was an adult. And I think maybe after he passed or something, I, I just happened to look him up or think about him and, and I like stumbled upon all his records. So I was thinking about him. Um, there's this rapper, young dude out of Chicago named The Third, who I really love, um, who, can, who comes out of the Poetry Slam as well. Um, nice. Yeah, and then a homeboy of mine made me, um, I was, like, 
I realize that I don't know very much about like, I know a lot about hip hop and like, I've, I think fairly well reasoned background knowledge of hip hop and opinions and whatever. I don't know that much about rock and roll. I know like, I know like I watched a lot of VH1 when I was a shorty. And so like anything that's sort of on that, I know, but I've literally like the Beatles, like my dad liked the Beatles or whatever. So right. I remember when I was a kid, he got that number one, the album with all their number yep. ones. But I've literally never heard a Beatles song that wasn't one of those songs. I just don't know them. I don't know and what they it, are. I don't do know Let It Be has like 107 songs on it. And you know, there are, there are right. five. Right, and so we were we were like talking of homie of mine. We were talking about this, and so he made me like this long playlist of kind of like rock history. And so I've been like kind of working my way through that when I go on walks and like nice. do stuff like that. And so that's been fun. That's a good sure. journey. Yeah, that's a good that's a good time. That's a really like I put together the uh, the other day. I put together like a top fifty uh hip-hop album list for myself I was, it, started as, it started as 10 and then i i realized that I, 10 doesn't work anymore uh it was it was fun it was you know complete with hyperlinks i was i got way too obsessive in it but yeah, uh, yeah it was it was fun it was a good it was it was a good process to go through of like okay what do i actually still have on my phone you know to listen to um what are those albums that i have never deleted Mm -hmm. um like you know what's that what's that one 1988 album you know from krs1 that i haven't gotten off of my phone yet mm -hmm. um, that i still go back to and it's just it's it was also interesting to look at like um you know you were mentioning like poets that come from this you know poets that are also producing music it was interesting to see uh what crossovers uh were there as well so like you know where did jiv uh come in you know slum village and on his own uh yeah. you know what are those what are those who are those voices that are still around uh that have always been been there yeah, uh, who, yeah are, who, do you, who do you think are some of those are some of those poet rapper uh kind of crossovers that uh that have kind of been an influence out there in the game or that have at least really made a mark with you yeah um that's a great question I would say, you know, for me, it's obviously, perhaps obviously, like a lot of Chicago folks. And mm -hmm. so um, the biggest, one of the biggest ones is uh, Malik Youssef. Yes. And folks will know him probably from uh, Kanye's uh, crack music. Like yep. that, that's probably like the biggest thing he's done. But, um, but I love, I love Malik. He, and he was like, he was on Deaf Poetry. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing him on Deaf Poetry when I was a kid. I actually got a chance to like tell him this story once. I like ran into him. <laughs> On, on some super random shit, <laughs> but um, I, he was the first person I ever heard say my neighborhood's name on TV. And it was like oh. a deeply meaningful moment to me. Yes. And so like, you know, like he, he, he did this poem called I Spit on Deaf Poetry. And at the end of it, he's like, Wild Hunted Stand Up, right? And that's like the title of my first book, right? And so, um, so yeah, so you know, like definitely Malik. Um, I would say, uh, oh man. Why did the sister's name just fly in my head? Um, what, there was this, this crew um, in Chicago in like the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, I think called Climbing Poetry. Hmm. And it included um, uh, this dude named Brother Mike, um, who a lot of folks maybe will have heard of. He, he kind of mentored um, like Chance the Rapper and No Name and a lot of that sort of generation. And, and, and myself as well. He was one of the first people the first like poetry feature I ever did at the open mic was 
at the mic that he curated. Um, he like invited me into that. And so um, definitely him and like that whole sort of crew. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's, a, it's, it's an odd question. I haven't even thought about, really ever thought about that. Like who you now, who are those, those hip hop artists who got their start or also did you know, poetry as, you know, away from the, away from the music world. So that's an, yeah. And, and also a lot of it too, you know, especially when you're outside of, um, you know, New York and LA where, where there are these sort of big, well-developed music industries yep. um, that haven't gone away and that have, and where things have kind of consolidated there yeah. is like, if you're anywhere else, you will, you're an MC or you're a singer or whatever, you'll go to an open mic because that's just where you can get a stage, yep. right? If you're Absolutely. not at the place where you can get booked and like do shows and stuff, that's just where you sort of get your chops, right? And so I think like a lot of times, like, you know, a lot of rappers, like people will talk about Chicago rappers and, and um, sort of aside from like the drill stuff and be like, oh, this stuff is very poetic, da 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 da. And, and people know about the city that there is this kind of overlap between what's happening on the literary kind of side and what's happening in terms of hip hop. But a lot of that is really just like, that's where mugs can try their shit out, yeah. right? Um, and, and, and to say like, that also like, isn't necessarily just stylistic, right? And so I've been at open mics, you know, when I'm back home and like in the city, especially in like the before time where like, you know, you'd be at an open mic and you'd hear like three drill rappers. And that was just like, and you don't, you don't even necessarily think of them as drill rappers, but that is how people would term them. Cause they're just like folks who want to get on a mic and that is the mic that is available. And so that, I don't know. Yeah, that's just what it, is. it is literally the op only open mic there is. Yeah. Right. So uh, kind of shifting gears. Um, what is your process when it comes to to writing? Are you a nine to five writer, or are you uh, you know, do you have a superstitions? You know, lighting fourteen candles behind you and uh, setting up the right type of incense. Uh, what is your what is your process? Yeah, not at all. Um, I really, I'm really looking for the poet who finally says that they actually have that as a right. you know that they are nine to five or that they you know have to have fourteen candles and the incense going and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have some friends who who are kind of nine to five, but I, for me, I think it's it's not the the thing that I, I I say is I don't write every day. I do something in service of the work every day, and so that might be reading, that might be um, watching something, doing some kind of research, taking notes, whatever. Um, so that's a thing I do try to do, um, especially like when I'm working, um, and then it just depends, right? They're different because like composing a poem is so much than just the moment at which you um, come up with like a new thing, right? You like make and write a new draft, right? And, you know, so I think my process goes in different ways, right? So it depends on where I'm at in terms of the, the process of a single poem and also where I'm at in terms of the process of a larger project, right? Mm. Um, do you think more in time? Do you think more in collections uh, than you do in singles? Um, I think I do now. Yeah, it wasn't. It probably wasn't always like that. 
Um, and it's not that I don't, I won't like write a sort of like single one-off poem and be like, oh, that was like a lot of, like I have a ton of poems that aren't really right. collected anywhere and that, that I don't necessarily think of as fitting into collections. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I do now, like probably just cause like, I don't know, capitalism and like <laughs> also like what it means to be a writer who's writing um, in the academy on some level is like, yeah. your pub, you know, like, you know, publication is, you have to be public. Is one of the ways that you sort of articulate your value to the institution. Like I say, capitalism. Capitalism. Um, but 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 also aside from that, you know, my my first love in so many ways as a kind of art art piece is that is the hip hop album. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's always I like to think in projects just because. Um, cause the, cause that was sort of how I fell in love with, with art, with making. Nice. Right. Not that I didn't like, you know, obviously like I like one-off songs or singles or I like, I'll be, I'll recognize, oh, this album is bad, mm-hmm. but this particular song from it is very hot. Right. But the thing that made me want to make stuff was hearing people's vision across many things. And so I like to think about things in that way. Okay. Nice. I like that. Um, since you've had a pretty a pretty long career, uh, and we can count careers like high school to now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you think? What have been those like? Was there like a big pitfall along the way, a stumbling block, something that actually made you really uh, second guess what you were doing or why you were doing it? Um, and have you gotten gotten out of that yet? Wow, damn, that's a good question. Oh man, pitfall. Um, hmm. you know, I think one of my big pitfalls kind of early on, and not even that early, but like, I think sometimes, especially if you're someone like me who had the opportunity to come up as a young person in these really robust artistic communities, um, you begin to think about all of your relationships as being um, as being like both both like personal relationships and kind of business relationships or artistically productive relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that not that that's necessarily bad. Like I've done some of my favorite things ever with friends of mine, right? Um, and been able to make really beautiful things with friends. But I also think. Um, a thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is that there's a real value in being like, no, nah, we're just cool because we love each other because we like care about each other and we just want to kick it or like watch the Bulls game or whatever. We don't necessarily have to like be trying to make a mixtape or trying to do whatever. Um, or if we work together and it fails or it doesn't work, we don't have great chemistry in that way, whatever. That doesn't mean that we're bad people that we can't be homies or what have you, right? I think I was in some ways taught um, maybe by like mentors of mine and other people really bad, um, just boundaries between um, a kind of professional life and a personal life. And so that I think is a thing that I'm now trying very hard to to both be intentional about and also, you know, when I talk to students, when I talk to mentees of mine, try to model, what are hopefully like healthier ways of 
of negotiating those things, right? And to say like, it's a beautiful thing to be in relationship and in conversation with your friends, yeah. but you also don't. Um, yeah, but if y'all don't, but like the, the, the vehicle of friendship is not built to do work. Yes. The vehicle of relationships yeah. is not built to do work, right? Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up, uh, what are you, uh, what's out there right now that you, uh, that you want to tell the world about and what's coming up for you? And of course, when can we get the, uh, the Nate Marshall, uh, mixtape? Oh, LOL. <laughs> um, so, well, a, a thing that I really like that I just, I just read, it's this book called Energy Never Dies. Um, it's kind of like a book of essays. It's sort of a little bit genreless, like maybe essays, maybe it's sort of a nonfiction book, but it's, but it's kind of about um, like black Chicago creative culture, oh, right? Okay. Um, and it was written by this woman named Ayanna Contreras, who's a DJ in the city. Um, and I really enjoyed that book, was really struck by it. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about. I'm also thinking about, um, oh man, what is the other thing? Oh, I just got this. I found it from um, one, I think Black Market Vintage, you know, one of these like used book kind right. of folks. Um, but this like little chat book, I can't remember the name of it, but it's by Margaret Burroughs, who okay. is, um, you know, poet, visual artist, all sorts of things. One of the co-founders of the DeSabo Museum of African-American History in Chicago um, and sort of a kind of hero of mine. And so I'm very excited to read that, but I haven't like, checked it out yet. Um, but you know, Dr. Burroughs is like super official. She was, uh, she famously, she was uh, Gwendolyn Brooks like homegirl when, when they were young. And when uh, Miss Brooks, there, there's like a great story of how Miss Brooks met her husband. Uh -huh. And they were, at, they were at like a youth NAACP meeting or something. And Miss um, Brooks like saw a dude walk in the room and was like, Oh yeah, I'm feeling. She was like, "That's the man I'm gonna marry," or whatever. <laughs> and Margaret, Margaret Burroughs, uh, um, was like, "Hey, boy, come over here. This girl want to talk to you." That's awesome. And I'm just like, "Yeah." So legendary, uh, you know, culture maker, legendary <laughs> culture worker, also legendary wing woman, uh, Margaret Burroughs. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. In terms of what I'm working on next, um, I don't know, man. I'm kind of. I'm like dabbling with a couple different poems and trying to see like what project will be the thing that I'm most drawn to to work on next but we'll Perfect. see um and then I've done you know also it's funny you, you talk about the music thing this my birthday is in October so this October I went and hung out with a friend of mine and we made like two or three songs kind of just for fun um and so I'm kind of thinking about like should I do something? Like, we're just like, what is... See, I, I wasn't even joking. I met the yeah. name Marshall Mixtape. It's coming. Yeah, so so 20, who knows? 2024. Right. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> I was, the thing is, like, you got to just, like, rap every year or so just to make sure you can still do it. And so people still remember. Just like, right. it's just like a, you know, it's like riding a bike or something. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight on TPG20. I uh, really appreciate it, and I definitely look forward to uh, the mixtape. But more importantly, uh, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing what you have coming out in the works next. Absolutely. So, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Peace. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.